Father, thank you for what I see. I see you. Thank you for the, the worship team here who have been leading us in praises before you. So grateful for these people that you've brought together to, to lead this church in worship. Thank you for those who are looking after the children, the young people. Thank you for every young person and child in this church, every new person that's come into this church fellowship. Thank you for the outreach to the homeless, the many different community activities that are taking place. Thank you for the relationship with the church in California, the United Reformed Church. Thank you, Lord, for the witness of this church, your church. Thank you for Pastor Rachel and Alistair. We thank you for calling them to this place. Thank you for your hand upon their life and the way that you're using them. Thank you, Lord. We stop for a moment, Lord, because we could not believe our eyes when we watched the news. And we pray for that whole area, that whole region, Israel, Palestine, we pray for that whole region. We pray for the innocent people who don't know which side, how to take sides, confused by the whole thing. We pray for those who are in power. We pray for those who are standing on the side of just wanting to kill and those who are desiring peace. And we ask, oh God, that you will intervene. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, if you've got your Bibles, or if it's on your phone, or on your iPad, or just in your head, uh, Romans uh, chapter 15. Where's the clock? Oh, there it is, right, okay. Good. Romans 15, and verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to say this verse with me? Romans 15, 13. Let's go. One, two, three. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning when I turned on the news this morning, I'm hearing a politician saying, Hope uh, in Israel, hope is low. Mm. Um, and I think if you're out there today, or if you're in Ukraine and the various different parts of the world, 
you may be wondering, is hope low? And I don't know your situation uh, either, your personal situation, but I do know that every day people wake up desiring hope, hoping for something, hoping for a change of situation, hoping that that might happen, hoping that doesn't happen. I'm not talking about a hope which is a wishing. Mm. Um, I'm not talking about a hope that is dreaming. Mm. But I am speaking about hope which is confident that God will do in my life what he said he would do I'm talking about a hope which is patient so that I have to wait not for my timing but for God to work out his timing for my life because if I was God, I'd have everything done by lunchtime. Because <laughs> I'm so impatient. Sometimes God seems so, so slow to me. But it's, it's that kind of hope. Now may the God of hope. And that's who you've been worshipping today. That's who you sing to today. He's the God of of hope. If you if you want hope today, it's him. It's relationship with him. People with I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral where actually no one believes in Jesus at all. Mm-hmm. And we haven't got a clue what you know, it's just over. Or you go to a funeral where where the person who died died in Christ and the family know where that person is. It's an absolute, complete game changer. It's a total different funeral. Why? Because of hope. Which is not a wish or a thought or perhaps a maybe, you know, but it's a definite a believer is still alive. Because of God. He's the God of hope. Without God, there's no hope. Let me unpack this first. Um, and, and encourage you today. The Apostle Paul's writing this and he's saying that hope flows from joy and peace. And his prayer for your life and the word of God here is that the God of hope fills you with joy and peace. Let's just put hope to one side for a moment. Hope will come. In fact, this verse is surrounded, hope surrounds this verse. It starts at the front with God of hope and at the end with overflowing with hope. But before we get there, let, understand this, that it is the desire of God, it's the heart of God to fill your life with absolute joy and peace. Amen? Amen. I mean, if you're a Christian today and you're miserable, I mean, when I was a child I thought, 
sin was miserable, miserable as sin, and then when I grew up, I thought, oh, actually, sin's quite not miserable, and then you have to get forgiveness, and you know, and but because that phrase, isn't it, miserable as sin? Mm-hmm. Anyway, who thought of that? But anyway, but but I have discovered a lot of I have discovered a lot of church people. Like who are going to church buildings looking like they're going to the dentist. Yeah. You know, I just like what where are you going? But I wanna I don't want to go in that building. Because like that looks really horrible to go in there. You know, and they're carrying their big Bibles and whatever, you know. But but it's the heart of God to fill your life with joy and peace because those are two key elements for our life. Especially when we start to talk about hope. Nothing satisfies, renews, re-energizes like the joy of the Lord. Um, and there's a lot of debates over the years. I've been in church all my life and, oh gosh, pe- people have said to me, you know, they've met, when, I've spe- when I preached on joy before, not here because you're not perfect, but in another, you know, in another church, and, and they'd meet me at the door and they'd go, you know, pastor, pastor, you know, it's... Just because I don't look happy doesn't mean I ain't got joy. You know, I think, you know, I've got deep joy. It's really deep in my heart. In fact, there were some songs. I used to grow up on these songs that are deep joy. It's dreadful. You know, I would rather transfer deep joy with, you know, just like frivolous happiness. You know, uh, every single time, because the ones with deep joy look so miserable, and the ones with frivolous happiness, well, I'd like a little bit of that, please. <laughs> just, uh, just a little, little light of that would be lovely. Um, joy, and pe- have you ever had a coffee with somebody and wish you never had a coffee with them? <laughs> you're having coffee with them, and they're just drain the living daylight out of you like you're just ready to want to gas yourself because like they're just like you know and they've been a Christian 40 years oh it's a terrible terrible world you know uh, when we had our first child uh, Daniel my, my auntie wrote a card or oh, congratulations but what a terrible world to bring a son into terrible you know she's been a Christian all her life and I oh my god look at that <laughs> you know we should have deacons appointed in church their role is to tickle because you know we can't we shouldn't come into church and go out of church without having the joy of the Lord the joy of the Lord is so key do you know that God never has a miserable day I mean he never has a day where oh my words what am I doing with this world is he even though the world can fall apart the joy of God is still over the world. Yeah? And we've got to understand that we don't worship a God who is so miserable and grumpy, unhappy, and just waiting for something to take place to lift the burden of his heart. Yeah? You've got a God who loves you, a God who is joyful, a God who gives joy to you. You know, it's only the miserable Christians who don't like this message because they want to hold on to their misery. <laughs> do not allow, do not allow this church in any shape or form to become a church which loses its joy. Because why? It is your strength. So that people say, 
I don't understand why you go through what you've gone through. You've gone through illness. You've lost people that you love. Things seem to have gone wrong for you. But how on earth are you still smiling? Well, it's not me. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But it is a joy of the Lord. Corrie Ten Boom, her family saved 800, 800 Jews in the Holocaust in World War II. And she was sentenced into solitary confinement for the rest of her life. And every day she would get up, every day, and sing the song, Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Ye soldiers of the cross. Quite an apt song to sing every single day of her life in solitary confinement. I remember um, being with a lady in the Democratic Republic of Congo. United Nations still called DRC the rape capital, of the, the east side of the DRC, the, the rape capital of the world because of the civil war and the atrocities that happened to women um, in, in that area. And uh, when, I, when I worked in missions, uh, there was, we were supporting doctors and uh, a medical clinic um, who, who, who were just uh, helping these women who had been captured by rebel soldiers, terrorists, and taken away to be wives, inverted commas, but raped. Then they would escape. And then they'd come back. Thank you so much. Is that, is that water? What? Oh, only water. Only water. It's kind of. And uh, we'd supported them and and raised money for the clinic. And so I went out to visit, and I was in this uh, wooden shack of a building, cross on it, no luxury of a denomination's name or whatever. And it was packed with three hundred women hardly any men and loads of children and there were people, women looking through the windows as well and some smacking and standing in the middle of this and I noticed this woman, I just noticed the joy over her life as she was singing and um, at the end of um, the service I said we're going to be um, across the way in that house on the corner and um, we just want to hear your story. Um, you know, we don't want to um, offend in any shape or form, but we want to raise awareness and um, of your plight. So, if you want to meet me, and we're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll hear your story. We'll film your story. We'll be at that corner house. And I was expecting. Maybe if we could do maybe ten, that'd be brilliant. After the service, two hundred women lined up right round the right round the corner. And thankfully, this lady was there. And I interviewed the lady, and I I, I said to the lady, um, "This is in 2017. It was in June." 2017 and I said to the lady um, tell me your story and she said I escaped I was taken and I escaped in March this year 
2017, and uh, I found my way to this community. Uh, I said, what happened? She says, I was out in the field, and I was taken by two soldiers, and um, they just took me away. And I became the wife, inverted commas, of the captain of that particular group. So how long were you taking? She was taking five months. I said, in that five months, um, how many times were you violated? And she said, I lost count after 60 times in those five months. And I said, what happened then? She said, I escaped. I went back home. And my husband rejected me because of the shame. And that's what happens. And so I've lost my children and I've arrived here on my own. I said, were you a Christian when you were taken? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I said to her, I said, what do you think of God as a Christian when he saw and didn't step in and he took you? Those soldiers took you. And she looked at me like, what a stupid question. And she said, I, I, I don't understand really what you're saying, but let me tell you something. She said, God never left my side. God was with me through every violation. God was there in every single moment, every single time. When I went back home and my husband rejected me, I've lost my husband, I've lost my children, I've lost my dreams, I've lost everything that, that we ever had together. Everything is gone. I've got pain in my stomach. I don't know what's wrong with me. There's infections in my body. But I want to tell you this one thing. That the enemy has taken everything from my life. But one thing he will never take from me is the joy of my eternity. And tears started falling down my cheeks as I felt like I was getting saved all over again and understanding what it was that you can lose your whole world but the joy of the Lord can be upon you there is no luxury for a Christian to be miserable in this world when we serve Jesus our captain who for the joy set before him endured the cross for your sin and my sin Amen. And the, the prayer and the desire of God, the God of hope, is that he may fill you with joy and peace. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, or if you're objecting to what I'm talking about, it's because you need it. You need God to fill you with his joy. And his peace that passes all understanding which guards and keeps your heart in Christ Jesus. Both are crucial. From this prison, Paul wrote, Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon. And in Philemon, 
In verse 9, Paul will write this. I'm an old man. And this is where I am. And I'm in chains. But in those letters, he'll continue reminders. Don't you, don't you look at me like I'm just a prisoner in chains and I'm in a, in a guard, in a, held by a guard. That's where I am, but that's not where I live. Mm. And he will convince us and encourage us to live in the same way when he says this. I, in those letters, I am blessed in the heavenly realms. He'll write things like, I am seated with Christ. Who writes that? It's the prisoner under house arrest when he's not able to have his freedom. I am making the wisdom of God known. I am fighting unseen powers. He understands what it is. I've learned to be content in every situation. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice again, I say. Who's writing that? Is that somebody who's, who's just having every answer and every prayer answered? Is that someone who's just walking in absolute victory in every circumstance of life? No, that's a prisoner. Rejoice in the Lord always. Hope flows from the joy and peace that God brings. You see, if you want hope today, it's not, it's only going to flow from the joy of the Lord. It's only going to flow from the peace in your mind. Because when you have those two components, hope starts to breathe. I can live. I can be. Hoping God Hoping what God has said about me. May, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. What does it say? As you trust. As you trust in him. As you trust in him. Um, he's already written this amazing story that we know so well in that letter. And he's written a story. Remember the story of Abraham and Sarah? Mm -hmm. huh? Who's old? <laughs> Remember the story of Abraham and Sarah? Okay. Paul has already written about that in Romans 4, in that chapter. You know, he'll start against all hope. Abraham, he know, believe. What did he believe for? I'll have a little drink to whatever's in this mug while you tell me what Abraham hoped for. What did he believe? What did Abraham believe? About his descendants. Yeah, he was going to have he was going to have a whole nation descendants like sand on the seashore, but he didn't even have one son. Against all hope, Abraham believed. Let me tell you how to live with hope that God will do with your life what he said he would do. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust. As you trust in him. I wonder what he's asking you to trust him for. 
Hold on to the promise that God has given you. You say, well, I don't, I don't know what promise it is. Okay, we'll get your Bible out. It's full of it. Uh, yeah, I do believe in rhema and prophetic words that come by vision, dream, picture, prophetic gifting, etc. But if you're wanting to know what the promises of God are for your life, let's start here, shall we? Read it every single day and get fridge magnets or plaques or whatever and dang those promises all over your life because they are for you and for me. And hold on to the promises that God, learn to hold on to the promises of God for you. That's what Abraham did as he trusted. Trusting is that. It's that. It's that simple. Secondly, trusting is as you do this, you will create a legacy that will outlive you. It's what Abraham did. The, the countless followers of Christ, you and me, are Abraham's sand on the seashore because he held on to trusting in him. What are people going to talk about you when you're not here? Mm. That they will talk about you. I, I mean, not when you're not here in the building. Well, yeah, I do. I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> Let's go back to funerals. What will... Do you remember such and such? How they trusted in the promises of God for their life? Mm. Don't Ishmael your promise. Mm. For it's going to lead to pain. Mm. The hatred of Arab Muslim and the Israeli Jews stems. The whole mm. thing of today stems mm. from an impatient act to Ishmael mm. what God wanted to give. Mm. So don't think, God, I'm going to help you out here. Mm. <laughs> you know, Sarah saying to Abraham one day, uh, Abraham, you know, let's get this sorted out. Take, take this woman here. And Abraham says, oh, okay. Don't Ishmael. Don't try and manipulate. And then say, yes, God's blessed it. Wait. And if you do fail, because like me, you will fail in this. You can recover your ground and you can get back on track even when you fail and you can start to believe in the impossible working God that Isaac's promise is coming to you. It's what Abraham did. But I think in trusting God, the most important thing I want to say is this. Trusting God for the promises of God in your life will mean that you need to then, when the promise comes to you and it's being fulfilled in your life, you need to lay it down. You need to learn to sacrifice what God gives you. Because God may give you in a way that you never anticipated. It's still the promise, but it's given to you in a different way. So when Abraham had to learn that he had to lay down his Isaac, believing that God could resurrect Isaac, but he had to go through and he didn't know what was going to happen. Exactly. The sacrifice of having to give away what God has given you. And it's exactly what Paul experienced 
in this letter when right at the beginning of the letter he's writing, I long to be with you. I can't wait to be with you to impart some gifts to you. Check it out, it's in chapter 1. I just can't wait. I've been praying about it. I really want to be with you. I, I, I desire more than anything to be in with you Christians in Rome. And God gave him his heart's desire. And when he got there, it wasn't what he expected. Because he didn't have the freedom. He, he, there was containment on his circumstances. Because when he was holding on to the promise that God, he believed that God was caught bringing him to Rome... He never expected he would be in a prison. And sometimes God does things in our life that is quite, quite different to how we expected it. Yeah. So let me tell you something. When I was a Bible college student, um, we'd been married. We'd been married a couple of years, and. I'd gone off to do a Bible college placement for a couple of weeks. And I woke up one morning, on a Sunday morning, and um, there's no twins in our family, either side. We have no twins. Generationally, no twins. I woke up in, on a Sunday morning and um, I was staying in a pastor's house and the pastor had twins, twin, twin girls. They were beautiful girls. I woke up, I was praying and something happened that I was not used to and I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm still not used to. But I, I sensed this massive big impression to my heart. Like a spirit promise just dropped into my life that I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew we were going to have twins. <laughs> it's a bit unusual. So I thought, well, I'd better inform my wife. Because this has got... She'll have to have a part to play in this. <laughs> Small, but a part. So I phoned her up and said, hey, i got great news. We're going to have twins. That went well. And she said, we don't have twins in the family either side, so what, what did you eat? What was it? What's going on? Get on fast. Um, we left it like that. And then... Um, we lose our first child, and then Daniel's born. And uh, da Daniel's mar married now. He's 30 years of age. He's associate pastor in Derby. And, um, and then after Daniel, we lose another child. And then Greta becomes pregnant again. And um, we go into the scans, and she noticed something not right. We go for a scan, they say we've got good news, got bad news. The good news is that you, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a daughter there, really, really well, but you lost the twin. 
that was um, 27 years ago. That has so impacted my life that I've only spoke about this the second time in a church. First time was last week. So impacted my life to try and get my head around why God would would do that. I remember when when Rebecca Rebecca is twenty seven, she's a, a, a assistant pastor at Christian Life Church. She's single, looking for any men. Hmm. <laughs> you don't need qualifications, but you do need a bank account. <laughs> See me after. Oh, well, I'm not. I'm not California. Well, never mind. Remember saying to Rebecca when she was 16, we need to tell you something, sweetheart. Uh, <laughs> this is another one of you. And we now we, we we worked out why you're so loud and uh, got a personality for like two, and um, because you're twins in heaven. What I'm trying to say to you is this: what I've had to learn in taking a while is that the promise of God for your life may not be how you think He's going to do it. And you may need to sacrifice and trust him. You may need to lay something down and say, God, I don't understand it, but one day in eternity I will. It's not 100% how I thought it was going to be. It is an answer. It is the promise fulfilled. But I, I, I had a different picture. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Yeah. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Um, I need to stop there. I'm going to pray. I'll finish off the sermon for California. <laughs> <laughs> so, just so that Pastor Rachel doesn't have to listen to the whole thing again. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Do you want to stand with me as we pray? God of hope, we come before you I pray for your people today. I pray, the Lord, that they may today, at some point today, bend their knee before you to the God of hope who can help them, lead them, guide them, who can give them their heart's desires, who can fulfill the promises that you have given to us in your word. We stand on the rock, the word of our God, the God of hope. 
And I pray that you may fill your people even now with a supernatural joy and peace that does not come from what anything that the world can give us or circumstances or situations or, or bank accounts or whatever it is, Lord, from people. But Lord, a joy and peace that de- is deposited into our life that does not depend upon anything that the world can give around us, but depends upon our relationship with you, Lord Jesus. Joy, peace, flowing, filling, lies, lies that are anxious, lies that may be angry, lies that are just holding on to things that have hurt them. Lord, let them just release them right now in the powerful name of Jesus and let peace and joy come into their life right now. Lord, what the enemy has been seeking to rob them from, God, we stand in the name of Jesus and we say no more, no more, no more. Let joy and peace be in your life. No more. Release all fear and anxiety and hurt. All gone right now. All gone right now. Joy and peace descend. As we put our trust in you. Our trust in you. Our faith in you. Even when we have more questions than answers. Even when we don't fully understand. Our trust is in you, Lord. And maybe this morning you're asking us to lay down, to sacrifice our life again, to recommit our life, our families, our situations, all that we have. It's yours, Lord. We cannot do this life without you. So we give you everything. We give you the answers. That's easy. But we give you the question marks. That's difficult. All to Jesus. I surrender. All to him. I freely give. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.